Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Matthew 4 is this turning point at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. And one thing I've never noticed before is this whole story is about a war of voices. Which voice are you going to listen to? The voice of the Spirit, the voice of the tempter, the voice of Scripture? Um, or the voice of one distorting scripture. And Jesus enters into this test, interestingly enough, led by the spirit into the wilderness, a wilderness that looks way more barren than what's around me right now. And the spirit leads him from his baptism into into the Eremos, into the wilderness, and he spends 40 days fasting, spending time with his father, And this is um, right before the launch of his ministry. Up to this point, we have no miracles of Jesus, no sermons of Jesus, just just an introduction. And so he's there and uh, the evil one, the devil, shows up and begins to tempt him with these three different temptations. And something to point out here is oftentimes we read the Gospels with an assumption of Jesus's divinity, which is true, Jesus is fully God. But oftentimes we don't spend much time thinking about him as a fully human. That Jesus is showing us how to be human, empowered by the spirit in the midst of temptation, in the midst of trial. And so as we get ready to conclude a series on hearing the voice of God, I thought, what, what a better way than Jesus showing us as what it means to be a true, fruitful, whole human, empowered by the Spirit, how to decipher between these wars of voices, uh, between these two currents pulling him in these two directions, and how do you decipher them? And so I want to just kind of point out three things. There are many, but just three that we can gather from this text, uh, from these two different voices that are competing. Number one is that the Father's voice speaks of our salvation but the enemy's voice speaks to our shame. 
Number two, the father's voice speaks to the worth of trusting God, but the enemy's voice speaks to the whisper of trusting ourselves. The father's voice will always speak to our true identity, but the enemy's voice speaks only to our impact as when it comes to our identity. So I just wanna work through these three things. The first one being that the father's voice speaks about salvation where the enemy's voice always speaks to our shame. And where we get this theme is, is a little bit hidden. It's a little bit cryptic, unless you're familiar with the story of Israel, which Jesus is the climax of their story. And so Matthew, being a Jewish scholar, introduces Jesus as the true and better Moses, the true and better David, but also the true and better Israel. He's the fulfillment of what Israel is always supposed to be. So we're introduced to this, this text and immediately we start seeing parallels between Jesus's journey and Israel's journey. Just to give you a few, um, both of them have a wilderness. Both of them have the number 40. Israel had 40 years, Jesus had 40 days. Most of them had the word testing used often. Uh, both of them were hungry. Both of them uh, were fed supernaturally by God. And both of them were called God's son. And so it's interesting that when Jesus is tempted, he draws from the Jewish text, the Hebrew Bible, Deuteronomy chapter eight says this, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land and the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. And so Jesus draws from Deuteronomy chapter eight as his first weapon against the enemy, which also points to us that Jesus is retelling the story of Israel but if you look back at the story of Israel, how, how did they do? How did they do when they were faced and tested? Well, they, they failed and we, we identify with Israel. Israel's us, it's our story. Jesus comes as the new Israel, fully human and passes the test. He doesn't fall into temptation. He is giving a, a new, a new hope in providing salvation. It's so important for us to realize before he goes to the cross, he goes through every test that every human being has failed at. And this is being one of them. And so when we look at this, something that we need to remember and point out super significant is that the voice of our heavenly father will always speak to our salvation but the voice of the enemy is always gonna to wanna to point us backwards towards our shame. And maybe that's you, maybe you are haunted with this inner voice of the enemy harassing you, reminding you of what you've done, remembering your past. And, and, he's, and what's so hard is he's very true. It doesn't take much convincing for us just to look backwards in the rear view mirror long enough just to realize 
oh man, this, there's a lot in my past I'm ashamed of. But um, I, I love that in my car, my rear view mirror is small and my windshield is large. And so when we look at Jesus, Jesus becomes where we get to point to for our source of identity and worth. He, his story is our story. His story is a story of salvation. And Jesus provides that not only for himself, but for us, for Israel, for anyone who would believe in him. And this is why Hebrews 12, verse 2 says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, the finisher of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I love this, scorning its shame mocking the shame of the cross. Our shame that belonged to us was dealt with at the cross. And so this is huge. By Jesus reliving, retelling the story of Israel, yet passing the test, we are reminded that the voice of our Heavenly Father is about salvation, when the voice of the enemy is always going to be about shame. And it's one way you can decipher of what voice you are leaning into, what voice you're listening to. Is it pointing towards your salvation? Was it pointing backwards towards your shame? The second thing is that the Father's voice speaks to the worth and value of trusting God. But the enemy's voice speaks to the whisper, um, kind of the seduction of trusting ourselves. When we think about the humanity of Jesus, I I think about the, the tactic of the enemy to show up after 40 days of him not eating and Matthew pointing out he was hungry which is maybe a little um, obvious for Matthew to point out. But to borrow language from from our friends in uh, the recovery community, they have this phrase called halt. It says, listen, whenever you're hungry, whenever you're angry, whenever you're lonely, whenever you're tired, stop. Because those are moments where you are going to be most susceptible to temptation. This is exactly where Jesus is at. And so in those moments, those halt moments, when we're hungry, we're, we're angry, we're lonely, we're tired, we're stressed, we're grieved, right? We're experiencing loss. We've come to the end of ourselves. There comes this moment, this temptation that faces us that we have to figure out what voice we are going to listen to. Uh, now listen to what, what Satan comes to tempt him. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And what a view that must have been. And he says this, all of this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. So as, as, the, as the temptation ends, it ends with this moment of the devil pointing out and says, listen, I know what's coming to you. I can give it to you faster. I know what you're craving. I know what you're desiring. I know what's ahead of you. I know even what you're worth. Let me give it to you now. You don't have to go to the cross to get it. And that is a echoing human experience. It is the same tactic that the voice of the enemy is always using. He whispers to us, seduces us into thinking that the the deeper desires of our heart should be gratified, but you don't have to do it God's way. You can do it your way. And I just want to let you know, as I've been praying and studying about this message, my heart is, is heavy. 
because my week is filled up with stories and conversations with people in the wreckage and the carnage of decisions that were made by them or decisions made to them, of people wanting and chasing things, but rather than waiting and trusting in God's best, they rush into their own desires and they don't do it God's way. And because of that, that thing that they wanted, all of a sudden it becomes marred. And so I wanted just to, just to take a moment and to point out what, what the devil was promising Jesus was, was accurate. He wasn't lying to him. The, the seductive part of that is saying, you don't, you don't need to go to the cross to get that. I'll give it to you right now. And Jesus had to listen and lean in what he had been doing for 40 days as he's praying and fasting in silence and solitude to the voice of his father. That it's not just about what's ahead of him, but it's trusting him even in the long and narrow road to get there. And this is why Jesus, he tells his disciples later on in the gospel, he says, listen, the road that leads to destruction is broad. It's easy. Everyone's going on this road. Why wouldn't you go on this road? It looks so appealing. But the road that leads to life, abundant life, is narrow. It's hard. And I just want to encourage whoever is watching this right now, I believe that there is a war of voices in your life right now. And that, and that voice might be coming in saying, hey, it doesn't matter if you're flirting with your employee. It doesn't matter if you fudge on, on the accounting on that. Oh man, it doesn't matter if you go and you look at that. You're not harming anyone. It doesn't matter if there's, you know, if there's just another one of those situations. And, and what, we're, what we're believing is, yeah, maybe God's withholding from me. Maybe the life I really want, I can have right now. And I can have it my way. And the whole time, the Heavenly Father says, what, what I have for you is life. It's the good life. It's abundant life. But you don't get to take shortcuts. You have to trust me. This is the voice of the Father is calling us to the worthiness of trusting and waiting on God. And I'm doing it today. I'm calling you and I'm hoping the Holy Spirit is nudging your heart. It's, it's, and it's not even that the desires are in your heart are necessarily bad. Maybe some of them are. But the deepest desires of of belonging, of security, of, of God saying, would you trust me to provide those? Um, uh, uh, a pastor I used to work for, Dan Doherty, had this great saying. He said, don't trade what is immediate for what is ultimate. It's just a great way to put it. Um, I, I think about the the difference between me as a father and my, and my kids' desire for a good life, for happiness, for life to the full. Um, and my 35 years of experience versus their five or seven or 12 years of experience, uh, it looks very different. I want what's best for my children. And sometimes what's best for my children looks like their diet might not be exactly what they want to. It might mean their intake of... Um, you know, of, of screens or when they get to go to bed or when they wake up or what. And the whole time there could be this subtle thing of like, man, my dad just doesn't want what's best for me. If my, if my dad really loved me, then he would just let me, you know, just drink soda whenever I wanted to. And I could stay up late and do all these things. And it, but rather it is, it is my love that says words like wait, 
oh, let's do it this way. It's not my, it's not my dictatorship. It's not my hunger for power. It's my desire for them. It's my love for them that's calling them to this. And I just want to encourage someone in here. You've been listening to a voice that is trying to convince you that God wants you to be happy, but he doesn't get to define how you get there. And that's not how it works. Yes, God wants you to enjoy abundant life, but he gets to define how that life works. And for Jesus, that road looked like the cross. And so I just want you to sit with this last thing. This is a quote from Chris Brown. We cannot profess to be followers of Jesus and expect a better life than he did. If we want to end up, not just in the resurrection that he's offering us, we also get to, to share in the life and sometimes even the suffering, the patience, the endurance. But all of that is wrapped up in joy. It even says in Hebrews 12, it's for the joy that was set before him that endurance took place. And I just want to offer that to you. Listen to the loving, merciful, joyful voice of your father. And the last thing I just want to speak out is the voice of our father speaks to our identity, but the enemy's voice speaks only to our impact. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't care about our impact. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care about our actions and what we do. He cares desperately about them. But for him, those things are not attached to your worth and your identity. As Just to broaden our context here. Do you know what takes place right before this? Let me read this to you in Matthew chapter three. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, please hear these words. This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. A couple of things to point out. Um, this was a, a, it was an audible voice. People heard this. But I also think that we, we can't forget the fact that Jesus needed to hear this. The humanness of Jesus not only needed the empowerment and the resting of the Holy Spirit upon him, he needed his heavenly father saying, this is my son proud of him. I love him. Pleased with him. And here's what's so wild. This takes place before one miracle is performed, one sermon is preached, one notable act of Jesus' life is ever recorded. The Heavenly Father speaks to his identity. So this is my son. And I'm convinced as I, as I sat, as we're ending this series, and I was just praying, I was praying for you today. And I said, Lord, what is it that you want them to hear more than anything else? And he says, I want them to hear these words. You are my daughter. You are my son. I love you. And I'm pleased with you. And immediately when I say these words in my mouth, do you hear that other voice coming in and it's the voice of shame, right? It's the voice of like, well, I don't know about this. I don't, I mean, what about this? Look to your past. You, you, you don't deserve, that's not true. Don't listen to that person on the screen or whatever. And, and I can't help but the Holy Spirit saying, no, no, no. What was said about Jesus gets to be said about you because you are now in Christ. This is now your inheritance as well. The Father is crazy about you. 
And if you're looking at your resume, it's like, I haven't done anything. I've, I've, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. Can I just tell you something? The Heavenly Father still loves you and adores you and is even proud of you, desires you to walk into your calling and your identity and your worth. And I think this is something that is always under attack. There was a really famous um, study done. Uh, the NPR came out with about 10 years ago uh, where a few um, professors got together and they went to the south of San Francisco and they created this kind of mock situation where they went and they told the teachers and the students that they were going to give them a Harvard aptitude test. And so they gave the kids these tests and the teachers sat there like anticipating who's, you know, how brilliant are my kids. They took the test and threw them away. And they went and told the teachers, they picked random kids in the class and said, these five students, how did they say this? These five students have intense intellectual bloom that's about to happen. And so then, then they studied what happened to these kids. Well, sure enough, the teachers began to spend more time with them. The teachers began to be more patient with them. And interestingly enough, the students started to believe that this was true of them, even though the test had nothing to do with them. And what was so radical about this study is that the IQs of those students who were spoken over about their intelligence had rapidly raised IQs. There's something about our identity being spoken over us that changes how we act, it changes how we live. So, so what is it as we come to a conclusion about this series, what is it that first and foremost God is wanting to communicate to you? You're my son. You're my daughter. I, you, you, maybe you've never done anything for me. Maybe you've done things that have been against me. Can I just tell you something? I love you. I'm proud of you. And as we embrace that beautiful calling, I also want to make aware there's still two voices calling at you. And one is trying to convince you that you can take shortcuts, that God wants you not only to be happy, but for you to be able to define your own happiness. At the same time, God's saying like, listen, would you trust me? And by the way, how will you trust the voice of God if you're not familiar with the words of God in scripture? I, we have to point out Jesus in his human flesh, empowered by the spirit, used the word of God as his only weapon against Satan. He knew who he was. He knew who God was. And because of that, he did what Israel and Benji and every human has failed to do when he passed the test, not just in that moment, but throughout his life into the crucifixion and the resurrection and then offers us this life. Would you listen? Would you listen to the Holy Spirit call you to himself, remind you who you are, and let's continue to let the word of God and the spirit of God silence Silence the, the, the deceitful, seductive lies of the enemy and let us be renewed in the voice of our Heavenly Father calling us who we are. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you did for us what we could not do. Lord, we don't live in shame, we live in salvation. God, thank you that you're worth waiting for. You are worth trusting. 
Lord, help us to have the strength and the ability not to rush into our own ideas and plans of how to arrive at the good life. Let us trust you. And Lord, I just pray as a pastor right now, that 60-year-old man, for that 20-year-old girl, for that family sitting and watching this, Lord Jesus, for the roommates a couple cities away, or whoever is listening to these words right now, would they tune me out and would they tune you in? And would they hear you speaking over them? This is my child. I love you and I'm so pleased with you. Lord, and let that ring in our ears so loudly that it drowns out the toxic voice of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.